Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. <clears throat> hey, we're going to have fellowship after church, too. That was, that was a, we might want to take another minute before we continue and just can finish that up, but that was good. Praise the Lord. Everybody take a deep breath. Believe me, you're going to need it. <clears throat> we're going to be in John chapter 12 in just a moment. And um, we've been in John for a while now, but you know what? The Word of God is powerful. It's quick. Cuts, and so nice to meet you. It's, uh, it knows, you preach the word, and the word already, you see, here's the thing, God already knows where you are this morning. I don't have a clue. And some of you, I talked to you during the week, and <clears throat> I've learned never to preach um, and assume that my wife doesn't know what I'm talking about, because that's usually how God talks to me. It's through my wife 99% of the time. But I am telling you that I believe I've got a word for us this morning that's been heavy on my heart for weeks. I mentioned a moment ago when we were um, going over the announcements and opening up and having ministry time a moment ago. But we, we value where we put our trust. And wherever you put your trust is where you put your time. It's where you put your resources. It's where you put your energy. And where, wherever you put your focus, that's usually always what you end up worshiping. And I started reading a, a powerful book about uh, two months ago called We Become What We Worship. We become what we worship. So let me ask you a couple of questions before we get into the scripture this morning. <clears throat> Who are you? Who are you? I'll lay this foundation a little bit more. <clears throat> we live in a culture that's all about me. Um, we, we tell our children, you can be anything you want to be. Nobody tells their children, die daily. You think that when they're running around not listening to you. But nobody tells their child, you need to die daily. Nobody tells their teenagers, you need to die daily. Nobody tells their, their adult children, no, what you, you don't need a better job, you need to die daily. If I just had more money, and if I could just make more money, no, you need to die daily. Now, don't get me wrong, I know we all need more money, but it's because we think happiness is found in all those things that we've gone in debt over. Don't get mad at me. This is good. We've gone in debt over all those things that will make us happy, and then we're praying for God to help us pay off all that unhappiness. Because as soon as we get that unhappiness paid off, we think that just being out of debt will make us happy. 
And so we still think that we'll be out of debt, we'll have all this stuff, and then I'll be happy. No, you won't. I'm going to get into this in just a little bit. I just want to lay some hard. By the way, I love you. But I'm going to lay some hard groundwork here because this impacts every area of our lives. Let's talk about worship from another perspective. First of all, what we're doing right now is corporate worship. Okay? I believe there's, there's three aspects of worship, not just corporately, but I believe there's a private worship. I believe that there's a public worship, and that's different than corporate worship. Our public worship is our lives lived out. Our lives are lives of worship. This is a part of our life. But I'm, how you act at work is worship. I'll just go, I'm just going to say this too. I can't stand, don't tell anybody you're a Christian if you're always going to be late. Please don't tell anybody that you're a follower of Christ if you're the laziest person in the office. Okay? Everybody still love me? <laughs> the good thing is I'm talking to everybody that's streaming this morning. All of us here have this down, right? And you know what I'm talking about, right? So our public, our public worship, but then there's the corporate worship. Now, certainly when we, we understand this, when we come here on any given Sunday morning, we're get, this is the gathered church, and yes, we sing together, we pray together, the word goes out together, <clears throat> and, I, and I'm just going to say this too, this doesn't mean that we're not living by grace. This doesn't mean that we're not living by faith. Just this, a lot of this means is we think that we're coming to church on Sunday to worship, and then we use up a lot of grace during the week because we don't live like we're following Jesus at all. And we can't wait to get back to church. Well, Pastor, that sounds legalistic. It's not legalistic. It's who are you putting your trust in? Because you will work your rear end off for the almighty dollar. You'll double down, work more hours than anybody could ever believe for the almighty dollar. Or, let's don't make it about money. Time, other resources. We spend a great deal of time doing, by the way, exactly what we want. Pastor, could you hurry up and get to the Word? Uh, we feel like you're meddling this morning, and we just want to hear the Word. Okay, it'll make sense. Because see, last week, uh, Pastor Nick preached a powerful message <clears throat> about Lazarus and how Jesus called him forth. There's power, resurrection power through Jesus Christ. Jesus can call forth the dead things in your life. But we also see that when Lazarus was raised, a lot of people started to believe, and the religious leaders got together at the end of chapter uh, 11, and they said, now we really have to do something about this guy. We need to get rid of him and Lazarus. Get busy. Some of you aren't planning well. He's got to go. So you don't, you don't hear about things. You're sort of laying low for a few days. But starting in verse 1 of chapter 12, and we'll just start right there. <clears throat> it says, then six days before the Passover. Now, please understand where we are in John. 
If you think six days before the Passover of when he was crucified is close, you, it is. Still very, several chapters away according to the writings of John. But chronologically, this is very close now to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So it says now, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. You could tell John didn't think too highly of Judas. But because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Now listen. <laughs> a couple of things about this passage very quickly, and I'm just going to break down three simple points before we give and worship the Lord through communion. Several will say, commentaries and theologians will, will certainly say that this passage is referenced in Matthew 26, and this passage is referenced uh, again in Mark chapter 14. Some would even associate it with Luke chapter 7 all with the story of the woman who comes in to anoint Jesus. All the stories vary a little except for a few things. The anointing of a very precious oil and the wiping of hair. Now, I want us to look at a couple of things here. Uh, and I think it's funny too when you read, I believe it is uh, Matthew 26, it tells us that when they're here, they're in the house of Simon the leper. Now, can you imagine what that table looked like? The disciples and others are sitting around this table because they came and they were having a supper because Lazarus had been risen from the dead. But obviously, either several months or maybe a year earlier, Simon was a leper. You don't sit around with lepers unless they've been healed. So at this table, there's there's a changed life here, and there's a changed life here, and there's a red dead, dead raised guy here. I mean, there, there's changed lives everywhere around this table. <clears throat> and the Bible says that Mary comes in, and she kneels down at Jesus' feet. Now, I'm, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this this morning to, to explain how they would sit in that culture, but they didn't have chairs, okay? When they reclined at a table, the table was very low to the ground, and that they would all just sort of sit, maybe rest on their elbow, or sit on the ground. So, literally, their feet were not far from your face. Okay? Believe me, I'm guaranteeing that's how chairs got invented. I, I don't know. But <clears throat> that's why feet washing, and we're talking about that in a few weeks, feet washing, it was very common, by the way, for someone to come in and wash people's feet. It was usually the, 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 the sub 
leader of the household, someone that was very low in leadership or a slave or a servant, someone that really had no authority would be the one to come in and wash people's feet because they knew that the feet were going to be close to the table and close to people, so they would take their sandals off, wash their feet. Makes sense. So it's not that what she started to do was uncommon. It's when she busted out the oil. This expensive spikenard. In the other passages, it's called, talked about as an alabaster box. This pound of spikenard. Judas gets upset about it, not because it's happening necessarily. One, one of the passages, they're a little bit upset because it's happening. But Judas isn't upset because it's happening. Judas is upset because of the amount of what's happening. They say that, that what she was dumping out on Jesus was probably a year's wage. A year's salary. Now let that sink in for a second. Again, I'm not talking about money today. I want you to understand that, that the first thing she did, and go ahead and throw that point up there, the first thing she did was she gave an abundance of worship. She gave all she had. She gave an abundance of worship. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> when people say, hey, have you got time for, what's your thought? Uh, when someone says, hey, have you got resources for, what's your thought? When someone says, hey, um, um, I, you know, I'm really having some struggles. Can, can, I, can I get with you for a, what's your thought? Now, this is not to condemn. We think that way because we're all out of time, out of resources, we're emotionally spent. Somebody give me an amen. See, you can't even give me an amen because you're so spent. It's just trying to get it out there, right? Here's, here's what I'm talking about this morning. We find ourselves in a situation where our lives have become so consumed with everything else that we put our trust in that we don't even have time to give an abundance of our worship to him. How, how does that fit in here, Pat? Where are you getting that out of here? Listen, this woman had been with Jesus not just for a few hours. If, if she is the woman that many commentators still associate with Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany, <clears throat> she had been with Jesus when seven demons had been cast out of her. So now here's a woman who has experienced a power in her life that she had never experienced before. She experienced bondage in her life that she had been broken free from, and her life was changed completely. So she became a follower of Jesus. I'm sure she saw other miracles. I'm sure she saw, she saw blinded eyes open, deaf ears open. And we're pretty sure that she saw her brother come out of a grave. See, when you're able to see, and it's not about seeing the miracles, it's when you start believing that Jesus really is who he says he is. Now, I'm gonna, I'm, this is going to get a little tight. Until you really start worshiping him for who he is, you're not really worshiping him. Until you start worshiping Jesus Christ 
for who he is, it's not really worship. It, it might be hopeful exercise. We might raise a hand hoping to get his attention. We, we might hope something happens and call it faith. But see, really, and here's what I'm getting at. If I'm honest with myself, my trust is really in something else. I'm just hoping that God will strengthen something else to be the answer for me. Am I making any sense? I'm just sort of hoping that, that the life that I've created through my thinking and through what I expect God to do, I'm determined to want God to bless that. God never promises to bless that. And, boy, I feel like I'm on thin ice right now. It's getting hot in here. I knew if we turned the AC off, it would work. Here's, here's what I'm trying to get at with this. My abundance of worship is always limited when I've given it all away to something else. What I thought was worth something over here, I gave my attention to it. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm spread thin. Well, pastor, now you're just talking about life. No, actually, I'm talking about the Western culture. I'm talking about the state of America. I'm talking about your life, my life. Well, pastor, come on, man. I, I've got a business, and I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got a family, and you won't even put those in priority. Until you put God first, you won't know what else to put first. You always try. Am I making any sense? See, Mary knew what, knew what to put first. That's why she could give it abundance. She didn't let her life get scattered. Well, pastor, that was 2,000 years ago. Life was a lot simpler then. <laughs> well, there's a part of me that agrees with that. Because I know that every day that you get up, as soon as that computer screen comes up, you are bombarded with thousands of opportunities. And, and listen, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm fully aware that the church is just as guilty of this because I, I live in a world of education. And you go online right now, and there's somebody going to tell you, I've got four ways for you to be a better leader. And you click on it, and it's just taking you another little funnel that takes you to another little funnel that takes up more time, that takes up more time, that takes up more money, and the next thing you know, you're supposed to be over there, and you're over here down a rabbit trail, and you can't lead because you're lost, and you're wondering why nobody, you know, you're supposed to be here, am I making any sense? Now, you can apply that to your family setting, to a business setting, you can apply that to a ministry setting. You can apply that to whatever you want. I'm telling you, our biggest challenge is we're not worshiping Jesus. We've become idolaters. Well, pastor. You see, it's hard for us to give an abundance when we've given it away. Because the second thing, and this is really the, the biggest one here. What time is it? 1041. Okay. This is the biggest one. It's the attitude of worship. See, her attitude was, here it is, one of the gospel writers, I believe it's Matthew, says that she broke the alabaster box. Can I, can I tell you what you get back when you break the box? Nothing. 
All of us want, all of us want to worship with strings attached. Um, we, want, we want to worship with ulterior motives. Lord, I'll worship you if. Now, we, we don't ever say it, but I know you. I know the heart of man. He is deceitfully wicked. I know my heart. I know how I can be. All right, Lord, I'm going to worship you, but please make it happen. And I believe God in his loving way has told me, maybe never you, he said, John, I'm going to do what I want to do whether you worship me or not. The, the, the question really is, are you going to be a part of it or not? You know, you don't, John, you've never impressed me with your worship anyway. I, I you've never impressed, you know, do you, have you ever, ever met people that try to impress people with their worship? Now, I'm not picking on anybody. If you want to raise your hands, I want you to raise your hands. If you want to say hallelujah, I want you to say hallelujah. If you don't want to say amen, shame on you. It's, it's really, it, what it boils down to is not preference, but attitude. Here's what I've seen in this passage, and I, I'm going to talk about how it applies to us in just a moment. She's willing to give her all because her attitude is, he is my all. She's willing to give her best, even a year's wage, not because she had a few dollars laying around so she could afford to. She gives it all because he is her all. But what I also see in this passage is one of his disciples who's with him all the time, um, only worshiped him with strings attached because John calls him a thief. We know he's a betrayal. He's going to betray Christ. Christ, we already know because God is omniscient. Jesus knew every time he saw Judas, I know it's going to happen. It's just not time. I know I'm going to a cross. It's just not time. I know what he's going to do. It's just not time. I know what Peter's going to do. Everybody knows what Peter's going to do. It's just not time. Here's, <clears throat> here's what I see in Judas right here. He wants to look good, but all for, for all the wrong reasons. How does he want to look good? Wait, well, don't, don't, don't. That is so expensive. What are you doing? What do you mean giving your all like that? When we can, we can diversify. Give Jesus a little bit. But we can sell the rest, and you know how many needs we can meet with that? You know how many bills we can pay with that? Give Jesus a little, and I'll put the rest in the coffer. And we already know that whatever he put in the coffer, he used for himself. See, if, if we're not careful, when I say we become what we worship, it's not that Judas becomes money. When I, when I say that we become what we worship, if, if we put relationships before God, it's not that we become relationships. This is good stuff now. Don't do it right now, but this afternoon, go home and read Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah chapter 6 is a powerful beginning of us understanding that God was trying to teach Israel that they had wandered from him and began to create their own idols. <laughs> And in the king that, uh, year that King Uzziah died, uh, Isaiah says he stood in the temple and he, he was just overwhelmed by the presence and the power of God. And God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah, of course, said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. 
He takes a coal off the altar and cleanses him. And then he says, I want you to go preach. <clears throat> but when you preach, tell them you're going to hear this, but you're never going to hear this. You're going to see it, but you're never going to see it. Now, if I'm a pastor preparing for Sunday, and that's the word that I get, it's hard to preach. Because if I'm telling you, this is a good word, but you're never going to get it. This is good preaching, but you're not going to get it. There's some Sundays I felt like that. But here's, here's what, when you continue to read Isaiah, here's what's happening. He's trying to prove to the children of Israel that there's no way you and I hear on our own anyway. And he's trying to prove to the children of Israel how you become like the idol you worship. You see, when you worship money, and if you happen to have a credit card or a dollar bill or whatever you have, just take it out of your wallet for a minute. Just, I'm, gonna, I'm even going to wait. I'm not taking up an offering. Don't worry. Just take something out of your wallet. Take something out of your pocket. It might be a dollar. It might be a quarter. <clears throat> now, ask it a question. Ask it a question. Maybe not out loud, but just ask it a question. And I'm going to give it a second, and I want you to tell me if it responds to you. Nope. It can't hear you. It can't speak to you. Uh, it can't meet your needs. You put all your trust in it, but you run out. You, you put all your trust in it. It even might say, in God we trust. But you pushed your trust in it, and you never, you never seem to have enough money. Or, or when you go outside today, just start talking to your car. Talk to your car. See if it talks back. It won't. Why? Because it can't hear. I know this may sound silly, but listen, please, please, please put your seatbelt on. It's going to get rough. It may sound silly, but we're the same way. You see, when you start worshiping yourself, what does worshiping yourself mean? It means your desires. God, I want you to bless me for me. God, I want you to bless me, and then I'm going to do what I want to throughout the week. This is not about God's grace. This is about are you even following God? This isn't about if you make a mistake this week. It's are you here just to feel like you're involved in something? Because religion does not mean Christianity. Religion means rituals, structures, you know, when, when Elisha was on <coughs> Mount Carmel and the prophets of the groves and the prophets of Baal were worshiping and I, Elijah had challenged them, listen, um, you, you pray for your God to pour down fire. I'll wait and then I'll go. And you know what they started doing? They started singing and shouting and dancing. Sound familiar? Singing, shouting, dancing, nothing wrong with singing. Please understand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with singing. There's nothing wrong with praising God. 
But if you're praising the wrong God, you're not going to get a answer. Elijah even stepped back and, and said, you know what? Maybe you need to sing a little louder. Maybe he's just sleeping. He's got some, you know, he's busy. I'm sure he's very busy. You know, he's an instigator. Now he's an antagonist. And he sort of starts trying to push their buttons. So they get a little louder. The Bible even says they start cutting themselves. Why? Because they're trying to get their God's favor. But when your God can't hear or speak, that's who you're stuck with. Because here's what I, I saw about Elijah. Number one, he doubles down and pours water all over his altar. And then he doesn't stand back and ask for the pianist. He doesn't step back and ask for the praise team. Nothing wrong with the praise team, guys. <clears throat> he doesn't step back and say, you know, we're just going to, we're going to pray here for about two or three hours so we can earn God's, no, 64 words. 64-word prayer. And fire fell. Why? Because when we are worshiping Jehovah, he hears and he answers. He's God who speaks. I, I am woefully concerned in the American church that we have created so many idols. I'm so concerned in the American church that we have created so many things that we put before God that we've become deaf. And we can hear it from a preacher or another servant or read it in the word ourselves, and psh, we just don't care. Because you can't see it and you can't hear it. Well, pastor, we're in trouble then. Well, yes, we are. Without a Savior. Because thank God, Isaiah tells us too, as a matter of fact, in this same chapter, if you'll go on down and read, um, we're not going to get that far today, but uh, if you'll go on down and read about midway through this chapter, he even quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. Talking about how there's, you're going to be blind. You're not going to be able to hear what's going on. And you'll never be able to do it by yourself. Meaning, Jesus is the one who gives sight. Jesus is the one who opens blinded eyes. He had just done it a few chapters before. Jesus is the one who taps us on the shoulder and says, Hey, come on, man. You're following the wrong things. And see, sometimes we turn this into, Yeah, you're right, I've got to stop pornography. Well, no, duh. Come on. This isn't about laying down the obvious. We become idolaters not to the things that are obvious. You can, even be, you can even put church. Church can become your God. Your ministry can become your God. Your position can become your God. When anything else becomes your God, you are not worshiping. I don't care how many Sundays you come in a row. Can I say one more thing to make you feel uncomfortable? Then I'm going to go to point three. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, we talked about a private worship time. If the only time we worship is on Sunday, I'm convinced we're not really worshiping Christ. Because we wait until Sunday to do everything we wish we could do in private, but we're trying to do it in public. And we get ticked off, ready, because we don't do our favorite songs. You want to do your favorite songs? Do it in private. Amen? Well, I'll just find another church. Knock yourself out. Get there. 
Because I promise you, if there's one thing that COVID has shown me, is God is looking for people who are serious about following him, not looking for a comfortable place to hang out. He's serious about people because the nation we're living in is changing right before us. Laws are changing. Laws are being signed and have been signed in that redefine marriage, that redefine relationships, that redefine identity. And it, it, oh, listen, we love people. God died for everyone in the world. But it doesn't mean they're not blind. It doesn't mean we're not sinners that need grace. And we've got to be people who are willing not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Changed. <laughs> well, Pastor, I'm comfortable where I am, and that's the problem. You see, you really, until we get to the place where we're sick and tired of being sick and tired, but what he says is when we are idolaters like that, we don't hear it, we don't see it, because we become, we become just like what we worship. It can't hear, it can't speak. And we have a hard time. That's why I've just been praying, God, speak to us through your word. Because if you're not speaking to us, Lord Jesus, you're the only one who can change hearts. See, we don't save anybody. I want to read out of the message translation. <laughs> and I didn't put this on the PowerPoint, Donovan, I'm sorry. I want to read this out of the message translation, though. Romans chapter 12. You probably all can quote this in other translations. But I want you to hear this and how it approaches and, and sort of breaks down our worship. So here's, here's what I want you to do, Paul says. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it. Don't become, it doesn't mean don't be in the culture. It just says don't become the culture. We're not here to be against culture. We're here to be Christ in culture. Don't, don't fit into it without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. Let me just ask to make sure you're hearing that this morning. Where does our attention need to be? Okay, this is not a trick question. Where does our attention need to be? Okay. Now, I'm going to get back to this, but I want to ask you a question. Most of you are, are sitting here even today, even right now at 10.56 and 22 seconds, and your mind's already thinking what you've got to do this afternoon. I'm not picking on anybody when I say this because I know how we all are. Some of you have been, you've been writing out your to-do list this week. You're on your phone being reminded of four of the things that you didn't get done last week and you're already stressing out about two things you didn't do this week, and I'm lovingly trying to tell you you've not worshipped. And you're wondering why you're constantly running out of time. You're emotionally bankrupt. Your spiritual life, your family life sucks. And you're like, I, I try my best. That's the whole point. He's saying... Focus on God. It's not what you're doing that makes it work anyway. It's amazing that when you focus on God, the priorities seem to straighten out. Now, please understand, nobody in this room, this doesn't mean that, oh, you mean if I really focus on God, I'm never going to have any problems? No, that is not what that means. 
What that means, though, is in the midst of your problems, you're not screaming and crying, and I don't know what I'm going to do. You can now become a man and woman of God who can stand up and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. These circumstances are what they are, but that is not who I am. And see, he, he goes on to tell us, because <laughs> some of us are going to face difficult times. Some of you have faced difficult times this last year. Some of you have lost loved ones this last year. But it's amazing how Paul tells us in Thessalonians, if we didn't have any hope, that would be miserable. But because we do have hope in Christ, we can have confidence. Now listen back in Romans. He says, don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops and well-formed maturity in you. Now, now, how does a culture drag us down? Well, unfortunately, it doesn't have to work too hard. Because I think all of us have spiritual ADD. Um, we've just gotten so used to just clicking here and clicking here and clicking here, and our spiritual walk becomes sound bites. Um, our spiritual walk becomes Facebook memes. If you really love God, click this. And so we click it, and that becomes our spiritual worship. That's the deepest thing we do all week. Now, I'm preaching to myself, okay? I don't click things on Facebook. I, quite honestly, I hate when I see those. And if you do it, don't stop. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I hate what you do on Facebook. I just think it's not, it, it proves our level of immaturity. Um, but I prove it myself. I'll do spiritual things. And then I'll get mad at somebody on the road for driving slower than 80. Uh, my wife and I will do devotions, but then I'll be upset about something and something changes around the house and I, I won't act like that devotion at all. Okay? So I'm not saying that everything gets easy when you put God first, but I promise you it gets clear. When you put God first, it won't be hard to, to start realizing, wow, if I chase that this week, it's not going anyplace. I can't do that. That's why we need grace groups. Hold each other accountable. If, if I keep chasing that, I'm going to end up in a bad place. If I keep chasing that, I might even get it, but it's not going to get me anything. If, if I can do this, anybody ever, ever, ever wish that you could just win that lottery? See, all of you are so saintly now. You're, I'm not raising my hand ever again in this church. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Even, even if you've not thought it, the bottom line is we always think, if I... If I had this, my life would be better. I want to challenge you. If you focus on God, your life will be transformed. Forget about better. Transformed. Changed. And listen, I, I really am hurrying. I've got to hurry. <laughs> listen to what he goes on and says. I'm speaking to you out of the deep gratitude for all that God has given me. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace. We're living in grace. 
it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. You're not here to impress God with your worship. You don't impress God when you treat people nice. You don't impress God if you spend 20 minutes or two hours every morning in personal private prayer. And just one more, one more thing on the private devotion. Please don't go to work and be an hour late. And people say, why, why are you always late? Well, I just, I, it's my private time with Jesus. Um, that, you know, that's just called lazy, right? Okay. Well, bless God, I'm willing to make a stand in this culture. You know, make a, make, make a stand by getting up an hour earlier and being the best employer at work. There's your stand. And, and I'm not trying to be mean or, or I'm not grumpy. I had a great week. I've, I've just really been awoken this last couple of months at my worship. At what corporate worship has turned into in America. A spineless gathering. Where instead of growing men and women of God who are willing to die we become men and women of God who won't even make a stand in a culture that is continuing to kill babies. Children can identify themselves as whatever they want to be. It's, it's amazing what our culture has come to in regards to accepting marriage and the covenant of marriage. But you see, who is surprised at how blind the culture is? I'm... I'm not going to be settled with how blind the church has become. I'll never, be, I'll never be comfortable again. And maybe it's because I can see it in myself. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to lay out stuff before you this morning as much as it is I know who we are. And I know how easy it is to get sidetracked. I know how easy it is to, to start convincing yourself that some things are right. And I'm not just talking about picking your sin. I'm talking about when you start pursuing the things that you want and you stop pursuing God. Because as long as you're pursuing God, believe me, he'll make it very clear the things that need to drop off. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us, not by what we do for him. You see, that's why this isn't legalism. <clears throat> that's why when she was bringing her offering to the Lord to anoint him for burial. She was the only one in the room at that moment who really believed he was supposed to go to the cross and die. You might be the only one in your home who really believes God is going to do what he does. Worship him anyway. Give your life to him anyway. You might be the only one at school. You might be the only one uh, on your block in your family. You might be the only person in a hundred mile radius. Jeremiah was the only one. Jeremiah preached an entire lifetime and nobody believed. You might be the only one. Worship him anyway. Even if there's a Judas, why are you wasting that? I would do it another way. But here's what happens when you do. There's an aroma 
of worship. In this passage, it simply says that we should begin to anoint his feet and dry his feet with her hair. The, the smell of that perfume filled the house. <clears throat> I know that everybody here knows what a plug-in is. Uh, but, but I'm just being transparent. This morning, my wife goes, plug-in, crazy. And so when I can tell when she's been on a plug-in binge, because the whole house has plug-ins everywhere, and they're turned on high. And I walk in, and I feel like someone has shoved a flower down my throat. Because <laughs> the smell is so pungent, and the smell is so there, but the whole house is filled with it, right? Um, now, that, that's offensive to me because I can't breathe. And so I just run around the house and turn everything down on its lowest position because I, I, I want the house to be full of that scent for her, but at a place where I can breathe for me, right? So what would that be like, though, if your relationship with God was so hot, if your pursuit of God in your private time, in your public life, in your corporate life, if you were so focused on God that everywhere you went, and don't, don't mess this up. That everywhere you went, there was an aroma. Something different about him. Something, something different about her. They don't let things bother them. They don't let things get to them. They, they, they believe strange things about somebody called Jesus. And I don't agree with it, but somehow their life is different. Judas speaks out about his feelings about it, and Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Let, let her have this for the burial. Now, now, this is pretty significant, because when the Greek is broken down there, and I'm not trying to impress you with this, but when the Greek is broken down there, Jesus isn't saying, you know, let her, let her alone. She's going to save a little bit of it, because I'm going to be needing this in a couple of days. We know that Mary Magdalene does go to the grave with the other Mary. And, and we do know that they are going there to prepare the body. But what we do know also about this setting is, if it's the same as in Matthew and Mark, it was an alabaster box which was broken. You don't get that back. You don't get that back. When the aroma fills the room, it's there. When your aroma fills the room and it fills your life, it's not something that's there one minute and gone the next. It's you are totally giving yourself to Christ. And wherever you go throughout the week, God is your focus. Because see, when God is my focus, I'm a much better husband. When I worship God and him alone, I'm a much better pastor. When I worship God and him alone, I'm a much better employer. When I worship God and him alone, I'm a much better friend. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? That when you really, and you say, well, pastor, I just can't keep it up four days in a row. That's when you think you're impressing God. That, that's when you've, not, you've missed what I just read. Now you think, man, I've done this four days in a row. He's probably going to give me an award or something. 
No, he's, he's given you everything already. You're not worshiping him to get something. You're worshiping him because of what he's done. I don't know how, if I can explain this any better, except if the praise team will, will come, I want us to prepare our hearts to receive the elements. If, if the praise team will come quickly. And those that are helping to serve the elements, if you'll please come. Here's, here's another simple way to maybe look at this this morning. <clears throat> we give everything we have to him. We give ourselves to him because he gave himself to us. It's not here to impress. It's not here to, to try to motivate Jesus to take us seriously. It's here to simply honor him and to worship him because he is worthy. But there's something about worshiping a God who can hear and who speaks. He responds. That's why even in his word, when his word tells us to do this in remembrance, to, to do this on a regular basis, why? To remind us that what we're talking about is not some story. It's real. There's a real relationship. There's a real relationship with Christ Jesus. There's a real relationship that when we walk it out, it matters. There's a real relationship that, yes, even this week, if you make a mistake, his grace is sufficient. <laughs> but there's a real relationship also that as you're walking it out, it's amazing how that when your eyes are on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that, that this race that you're in, you know, I'm not going to start talking about getting in shape right now. I'm way too behind on that. But I'm telling you right now, your spiritual man can grow stronger and stronger every day. Every day. We're, we're celebrating this today out of obedience to his word, but to hopefully help someone here remember your sins are forgiven. The price has been paid for you. There is nothing here this morning that cannot be dealt with through Jesus Christ. I, I want us to pray. And then I know this is a little bit different this morning, but as the praise team sings, just as you are comfortable, I just want you to come to your side and just uh, take of the elements, take them right here, or if you want, just go back to your seat and receive them there. And we'll pray in just a moment. But let me just pray with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, before the team sings, I pray for every man, I pray for every woman, every individual here this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Help us to know that you love us. Help us to see. Lord, show us those things that we have put first. Show us those things that, that need to go. But Lord, we know they can only go through Jesus Christ. Lord, if we're not where we need to be in you, you have paid the price, Lord Jesus. So we come to you. Lord, those who need to follow, Lord, we follow you this morning. Those who, Lord, have, their eyes have been opened and need to, to understand and they begin to see now, Lord, what you are calling them to, Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, you continue that work in us. As we celebrate what you have done, Lord, you told us to take, take this body as you blessed the bread and we ate it. Lord, you blessed the cup and you said, take, drink. This is my blood which was shed for many for the remission of sin. Lord, you have given yourself completely to us 
to cleanse us. To take, not just cover the sin, but take it away and make us whole. We embrace that in Jesus' name. Amen. streaming this morning we're going to just dismiss you we're so blessed that you've been a part we encourage you to let us know especially if you've been making decisions about following Christ or what God is doing in your life let us know but God bless you and we give you a, a wonderful blessing as you leave to those who are remaining if you please stand we're going to be dismissed in just a moment um, I don't know what time it is but it's not too long but here's what I do know. Um, God is willing to do more in your life than you could ever believe. So as we are dismissed in just a moment, uh, if anyone desires prayer, maybe you're wrestling with something. Maybe there's stuff in your life that, that you're trying to make decisions on. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, a few of us will be down here, and I want to pray with you. But if you're planning on getting baptized, if you want to be baptized next week, uh, we're going to take about five minutes, and I'll meet with you in the sanctuary in about ten. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. We worship you, Lord. 
Lord, we, not out of guilt, Lord, we're humbled by what you've done. Lord, I'm challenged by the example that Mary gives us in this story. She gives you her all. Even when people don't agree, her attitude is your worthy. And Lord, her legacy is it fills the house, but you even tell us in Matthew that they're going to remember this for generations to come. Lord, I just wonder how many of us here, as we begin to put you first, Lord, there are grandchildren and great-grandchildren who we don't even know yet who will be impacted because we become worshipers. A nation could be changed because of people begin to worship their God. So, Father, I pray that you go with us today. Lord, bless us, strengthen us, use us for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone say Amen. If you desire prayer, please come. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.